So this is a concept that Elisha came up with. And he came home one day after work and was like, Katie, I just feel so inspired. We really need to be our dream home. And I thought I didn't hear him correctly. And I was like, like, be our dream home? You mean like make our dream home, have our dream home? And he was like, no, we need to be our dream home. And so, you know, I think it was over lunch or I guess it would have been over dinner. He fleshed out this concept and I was like, wow, that is just so inspirational. Elisha's just pretty inspirational in general. Actually, okay, no, we'll tell you that a little bit later. I want to tell you about something else he did this week. But we're going to dive into this podcast and talk about being your dream home. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, I love keeping track of how many reviews and ratings we have. And I noticed tonight that we have 295. So I just want to thank all of you guys who have left a rating or a review. It seriously means so much to us. I know we say this every time, but it is just so true. But could you guys get us to 300? Like, seriously, that would be so, so cool. Elijah's blushing over here, but it would mean so much if we could get to 300. So anyways, I'm just going to put that out there and we're going to dive right in. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited as you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. Katie and I have upgraded this week uh, our equipment, not our microphones, not our recording software, but we are now sitting in chairs rather than on the floor, and it feels luxurious. It does. We have a table. Elisha got this all set up while I was downstairs cleaning up, and I came up here and I was like, oh my goodness, Like, we don't have to be doing gymnastics and like bending over trying to get in the mic yeah i didn't realize how uncomfortable i was in our last few episodes until i was comfortable sitting here <laughs> yeah shout out to everyone like in the middle east who is comfortable sitting like that Yeah, i feel like since they do that from a young age they're more flexible they can like sit down with their legs crossed better yeah if you know let us know yeah is it more comfortable works. for you or is it just still uncomfortable you know i hear a dog barking yeah i'm gonna close the window real quick do it but before i do or while i'm doing that can you tell everybody about your your um, triathlon because that you did so good this week. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, this it's not what the episode's about. So if if you folks, if you listeners are all right with us prolonging this episode, uh, getting into what we're going to be talking about, it's gonna, then um, yeah, I'll just I don't know, Katie. I don't really feel like talking about my triathlon. Okay, so I'll talk about it for him. Well, <laughs> so we went up there to like. Well, I don't know where we went exactly, but we went to this little town where Elisha signed up for a triathlon. And what was so cool was he did a sprint triathlon. So you have the swim, the bike, and the run. And the swim was 750 meters. And for our first triathlon, he was like drowning. 
Yeah. It like, was the same distance. Yeah. It was the same distance. And he literally wanted like a kayaker to pull him out. Yeah. I never asked for help, but I, I, I had to float on my back like seven or eight different times throughout that first race. Yeah. And when he came out of the water, he looked like death. I over. did. Oh <laughs> yes. When I was done with that swim, I wanted to just lay down and cry on the beach. Yeah. Like to put it in perspective, I think I was like 10 weeks postpartum and my time beat Elisha's. Her swim time. Yeah. Yeah. Just my swim time. Your swim time because we did that triathlon <laughs> together. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Then the bike kind of stank. He got yeah. passed by like bunch of people a bunch of people like 50 people yeah. yeah but then his run was a 5k after he'd done a 12 something mike yeah so the swim was 750 meters there you go the bike was 12 and a half miles yeah and then the run was um a 5k so 3.1 miles and he ran that in 18 minutes and 30 seconds well that's not that we don't need to give specific times katie guys that is so fast i don't okay stop <laughs> it stop it i was actually most excited about the improvement in my swim because I was towards the front of the pack for sure, and it just felt really good, and my my time was just so much better, and it was like wait, and I don't know if any of you guys have been following following me like on my social media platforms, which I don't blame you if you're not. <laughs> but like but you'll so you'll know that right I've been now. working on my swimming for the last six yeah. months a lot, and I really saw it pay off in this week's race. Yeah, and so that was really rewarding. Anyways, I'm just really proud of him. So we can dive into the episode, but. It was pretty awesome. I was pretty inspired just watching. So. I was so grateful that you came up because, I mean, Katie, it's a huge deal. I got up really early that morning to get there for registration, you know, before the race started. And then Katie got the kids all together by herself and came up. Well, you had your sister's help. I had my siblings yeah, here too, was which fun. was cool. Was fun. Okay. So this week's episode. Diving in. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You go. No, you. I mean, okay, I was just going to, we're going to be talking about how we can be our dream home because, you know, when you, you say the word home, uh, it just, I think it sparks many different emotions for people. And there's, I think like a common nostalgia that comes for a lot of people where it's a very warm feeling where you're thinking, Oh, home, you know, like I finally found my home or home is where the heart is, or, um, you know, I'll be home for Christmas. And it's a very warm feeling for home. But in reality, that doesn't always that's not always people's reality. That's not always what people experience on a day in and day out basis when it comes to their home. Well, what's interesting, I was just thinking this is, yes, I think home has this nostalgia like over time, mm -hmm. I guess. But currently we don't value our homes that highly when you consider how often we use them or what we use them for. Hmm. When I think of how often we go to coffee shops or meet people at coffee shops yep. or don't want to come home. Yeah. Or want to eat out a busy day or dinner. yeah. How often we want to eat out Yep, or, you know, it how often we just... want to travel like traveling's such a sought after thing now. Yes. Or even when we come home, so many of us come home and then just veg. Right. Check out. Yeah. Of. And then go to sleep. Right. So sorry. I have like. I'm drinking this bubbly juice and it's really affecting my <laughs> breathing. Oh man, that's bubbly scary. water. You know, like, um, what do you call this stuff? Like LaCroix. Yeah. yeah. Like LaCroix. Um, anyway, so I just think that yes, it can have this like, Oh, this really positive vibe in theory, but in reality, how are we living in our homes on a day to day basis? That's right. And of course, you know, we call this podcast the now that we're a family podcast and in our intro, we talk about we, we love seeing what God can do through the family unit. 
And that is so true. I think the family is just such a miracle, the way the Lord just framed a man and a woman, and then to be able to you know bring forth children from that relationship, that covenant, uh, is just so amazing. And the relationship that you're able to have with your children and the discipleship that can take place within the context of a family. But after that, the home is a it's a huge piece of being a family. What is that home? And and again, you might just think the four walls. You know, you might think of a house. And that has some that that's a part of a home, I think, mm-hmm. where, where you're living, what you if you have a roof over your head, you might start calling that your home. But really, I think that our home is it, it's like our family, you know, it's wherever we're going. It's that's going to be our home. I think of it kind of in the context of the church, how church isn't a building, mm-hmm. even though we call it like we're going to church. Right. Church is the body of Christ. Yep. And I think a family is really the home. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. And so when I started thinking about being our dream home, I started thinking about what I want my home to be. What are some words that I want to have describe my home? And words started coming to mind like restful, creative, inspirational, rejuvenating, uh, fun. You know, I want a fun home. I want a hospitable home. I want to be tasteful in my home. I want a healthy home. And these are words that I just want to be able to describe my home as. And, and Lord willing, I hope others can describe my home with those words as well. Mm-hmm. And those are some fun words to describe your home as. But then I, I make it even more personal. I think, okay, if those are words that are describing my home, what can my home do for me? What can I get out of my home? And thinking of it from a very personal standpoint, I think, okay, well, can my home encourage and cultivate a, a rich relationship with my Lord and Savior? Can, am, is my home able to help me save money? Is it able to help me financially? Is it able to help me in my fitness or in my ability to you know, do triathlons? Is it able to help me in my marriage or being a father or being a creator? I want to be creative in music or in writing or in making videos or making this podcast. Am, is my home conducive to me doing those things. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you want, Katie? Yeah, I think this is a fun exercise and it's something I would really encourage you if you have a spouse to write these things down so you could be on the same page because it's cool is I was listening to Elisha's. We wrote down things that we wanted our home to be separately, but something that I didn't put on my home on my list, I guess was fun. Hmm. And I thought, oh, that's a good thing. I do want our home to be a place of fun. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like the core values of what you want your home to be. But when I thought of our home, I want it to be restful and peaceful. And I think along with the concept of being your home, being that dream home, is my home can only be as restful and as peaceful as I am. Hmm. The attitude of my home, the attitude of my house is going to reflect my attitude hmm. as the mother. And that can be the same thing for Elisha. Yes. But if one of us is filled with a lot of angst and stress and is snappy and short, then it doesn't matter if we have, you know, a nice sofa in the corner right. that's relaxing and restful if we aren't finding that peace ourselves. Yes. So that's something I love with the concept of be your dream home be the things that you want your home to embody. And one of those things is definitely restful and peaceful. And aside from just my attitude for that, some practical ways that I need to create a restful and peaceful home or I need to be clean and I need to keep our home uncluttered. Hmm. 
And those are things that I think are big for Elisha and I on a very practical note. Hmm. I want our home to be hospitable. I want it to be a place of inspiration and I want it to be a place of relationship where people feel really at home and we're building those relationships with our kids and building those relationships with each other. Hmm. Because I think like regardless of whether you come up with what you want your home to be or not, it's kind of the concept of like whether you have good habits. If you don't have good habits, you still have habits. Yes. They're just bad habits. Right. If you don't have good systems, you still have systems. Right. They're just working against you. And so I think of that we are, our homes do embody who we are as people. Yes. Whether or not we are putting intention into that. And so our homes are a place of relationship because we're all together. So what kind of relationship are we creating? Because hmm. I think for a lot of people, if you had a negative relationship with a spouse or a negative relationship with a parent, maybe growing up, then that's what those home memories are going to be. Yeah. And and I would even, I think that you're talking about deep issues, you know, relational issues and personal issues are definitely deep that you need to go before the Lord. You need to have a lot of conversation, but I would venture to guess that even making small practical changes to some material things could improve those areas of your life as well. And yes. not to be simple minded, but if you want peace in your in your heart or in your mind and in your personhood, then you might think, okay, well, I need to get before the Lord. Well, then create a space in your home that you can go to apart mm -hmm. from distractions where you know you can get with the Lord mm -hmm. and you can create that inner 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 peace. Yes. No, totally. There's definitely practical things. I'm a big time practical person. I think both, both Elisha and I are. We like yeah. the tactical hands-on. How do we take this out of ideal land and make it happen? Yeah. Here? You're probably getting ready to dive into that, weren't you? Oh, well, I am now. Yeah. Well, okay. I want to hear what your practical <laughs> tips are. Oh, yeah. Well, a few things. But just as, again, as I was writing this down, we don't want to stop at just writing down things we want our home to be hmm. because it can be this awesome ideal, but then how do we create that ideal? Yep. And so I think with hospitality, when I was thinking of how do I actually create a hospitable home? That's like a big, warm word, Yep. but it's hard to know. Yeah. And I think one thing is definitely having a clean home hmm. and a home that is clean often enough that someone can stop by. Wow. And you aren't like freaking out yeah <laughs> you know and so having those systems sure. it's kind of funny because this came at a time where this weekend i wrote down a bunch of different cleaning systems i want to implement because now we're in a way bigger house and so it's a lot harder i mean versus our last apartment yeah. so it's a lot harder to clean it spur of the moment sure it's kind of like yeah really overwhelming when yeah. the whole thing's dirty you're right that was kind of an upside of our small apartment back in bend was that when people we're going to swing by real quick. We could clean up really quick. Oh yeah. It was really, really fast. So I think I need to implement more systems here to keep our home clean. Another thing is having food prepared, having a full fridge and a full pantry. Hmm. I think a lot of hospitality revolves around food and this isn't just for having people over. I was convicted that I need to be hospitable towards my own family, towards Elisha and the kids. And they need to feel like, home is a place where there is an abundance of food hmm. and we aren't scrounging because there are definitely moments like we're coming off of a weekend of scrounging yes. and our home has not been that place that was hospitable for my family. Wow. That is very practical and that's very <laughs> I'm real. Like, I'm so glad to hear you're thinking well, about this. <laughs> you know, I've never once 
had like i guess criticism or judgment in my heart towards you for the food that you prepare or don't prepare uh, i'm just blown away every time you prepare a meal for all of us it's actually really impressive to me but it's funny because last night we just experienced that yes i came Wait, what was last, last night last night remember i came home from practicing music with my family oh yeah and i was hungry yes and we just didn't have food Yes, you had to go to the grocery store yep. and get something to eat because it legitimately was like World War Three food outages or something. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Anyways, that was like, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Okay, something I'm actually thinking of right now, though, that would be cool is having a hospitality bin. And it's just like a little box. Like I like to organize my pantry by little drawer okay what do you call those things it's like you can have a little box where you like put a few different items in there or mm -hmm. whatever but i'm thinking even just having pantry items or if someone with their kids come over in the middle of the day it's like maybe there's like a box of mixed brownies in there yeah that i can like whip up right away right or some crackers or you know just something where yeah, it's like some dried fruit yeah or dried fruit where it's just like if someone comes over I can whip that out and combine it with like some cheese from the fridge or whatever yeah. and have a little hospitality place, yeah. you know, where they yeah. just feel really at home yeah. or even having a hospitality meal. We try to have someone over once a week, but having something, even if it's in the freezer or if I make something on a Monday that I know will keep a few days, you know, and so it's like if someone comes over or if Elisha comes home late and I thought he was going to have food for with someone else i could just pop that in the oven i don't know but basically getting really strategic on having it be a clean place and having an abundance of food yeah because i think that what we've been think I, I think that what we've been thinking about that is a lot of thoughts is uh or what we've been talking about is what are the things that make us leave the home and for instance last night the lack of food made me leave the home to, mm -hmm. to go get more food or there are often times where it's just messy and we just feel the stress of the mess and kind of the chaos of the kids being keyed up and so we just leave we i mean it seems like the easiest thing to do is to load the kids in the car and go for a drive or go to a park and mm -hmm. obviously none of those things are bad we've got great memories from going to parks but we don't want it to be an escape we want our home to be an escape from the rat race of the world mm -hmm. and from the rat race of being out and about. And so what are those things that kind of drive us away from our home and what can we do about them to make it those areas welcoming mm -hmm. to us as people? And you brought up food, we brought up cleanliness, but I think that there's things that we can go beyond that when it comes to creativity. I said, I want a place where, again, I've spent so many of my years going away to a coffee shop maybe to get work done. Mm -hmm. If I want to write or if I want to, you know, create music or if i want to edit something i go to a third space well over time i've realized i want my home to be that mm -hmm. i want to be able to do that in my home and so what are things that we can do to do that and i think that we've made great progress already in in our new home here which has been really fun yes definitely i think we both want our home to be a place of inspiration and so some practical ways to be inspirational and be that trait that we want our home to be is talking positively hmm. for Elisha and I. And yes. obviously your spouse needs to be a person you can vent to yes. or, you know, share negative emotion with too. But I think on a general basis, talking positively is great. Dreaming together. Yes. And creating spaces, like Elisha said, that can be creative spaces. Mm -hmm. Looking around our home and being like, what drains our creativity? I know for Elisha and I, we've 
definitely noticed media. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before. So by eliminating media, we are able to find our home a lot more inspirational. Yes. And something we made a point to do, I think probably maybe I guess it was probably early on in our marriage is that we just don't really do news or politics uh, or I guess different news sources. They're not in our home. We don't talk about those things. Yeah, we also are intentionally unaware yes. of things like politics until right before an election happens. We do research like a day or two before or the week before, and that's enough stress for the next few years. <laughs> yeah, and then we cast our vote because yeah. we want to be educated. Yeah. But what's crazy is that we've protected our home from a lot of the stress that comes with day in and day out world news and world affairs and things you can't control and things yeah that are out of your control and i do think big things that are like world crises people know enough or everyone else is listening and if it's big enough you'll hear about it we always find out yes always and we're able to pray about it and that's really all you can do when you live countries away you know and continents away you're able to pray for those people but not be just consumed with the reporting and with what's going on on a second-by-second basis yes, in those for events. Sure. That's really important. And I think, too, just on that whole relationship topic of building positive relationship and having a home be a place where we don't all just peel off and go to our separate corners of the yes. earth. Yes, yes. You know, um, we don't have a TV in the front room. Our front room is centered around conversation. Yep. And if we're in the front room, it's there's no temptation to turn on the television. Yes. Now we do have our computers, but we also stash those out of sight. Yep. Um, and then having our phones in the kitchen drawer when we're in the house, Elisha and I just started doing that. But again, we don't have them in the living room all the time. Or you mentioned in the bedroom, we don't have them on in our bed. Yes. Yeah. And I think that something that Katie and I have gotten better at is identifying beforehand some of those pressure cooker moments that are inevitable throughout the day or throughout the week. And those could be maybe right before the kids go down for their nap, or maybe it's right when they get up from their nap. Or I know a consistent one for our home, Katie, is that time frame between like 5 p.m. and whenever dinner's served. So maybe like 5 p.m. and 6.30. There's like that hour and a half. It's kind of like the crunch time. I love how you said pressure cooker moment. That's exactly what it feels like. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Something's going to give. Yeah, and and it's just that time in the day where it's not quite dinner time. You've had a whole house of living with young children, so it's probably not as tidy as you would want it to be. Mm-hmm. Even if you've made a point to keep it, you know, you yeah, do such a good job of tidying up as the day a, goes. A tough time right there. Yeah, you might start getting behind at that point. The kids are worked up. They've had a full day. And then I get home from work, and it kind of almost adds to the frenzy. Because I get home at like 5.30 and there's like this extra spike of energy from the kids. Yeah, the kids have an extra spike of energy. And I think I have this letdown when Elisha comes home where I'm like, oh, good, I have help. And for whatever reason, that can almost knock me off my game because I've been like holding it together until he gets home. Yes. And we try not to dump things on each other as soon as the other person comes in the door. Yeah. But it can still totally happen where... I'm like relieved. And then it's like, wow, we still have three kids. Like the kids didn't go away, even though you're here and they need a ton of attention still. Yeah. And I think that when we back in Bend, we had just kind of over time created systems, not that intentionally, just because I think we found ways to get through those times of the day. And I would take the kids for a walk because we loved walking around our neighborhood 
in Bend, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Well, this new neighborhood that we're a part of is not quite as inviting for the pedestrians to be walking around. I think that's kind of how we feel about <laughs> it anyways. That was a great way to put it. <laughs> it's not as inviting for the pedestrians. Yeah. I think, too, something that's a little bit different, I was thinking about this, is Elisha often would, that would be a crunch time, but we had different styles of days back in Bend. It would either be like Elisha was there most of the day, and so the spike wasn't as dramatic, even though it was still a crunch time, or... Elisha would actually work right up until the kids' bedtime or after the kids went to bed. So I didn't have to worry about having the house clean and dinner for Elisha and all that all at one time. The kids and I would kind of have a snack dinner, the house would be wrecked, and then after I put them to bed, I'd take care of that stuff. So it's different now for us too. It is. And something that we're we're making a point to do is to not just kind of toss in the towel for that hour and a half, because I think that... I'm tempted to every time there, we know there's that hour and a half hot spot in the day. And maybe that'd be a temptation to like turn a show on for the kids or to just load them in. I know something that we've done a few times is just to load them in the car and go for a drive. Well, then we end up going for a walk at a park and then we end up getting really hungry. And so then we end up eating out that night. And that's been the trend for a few nights per week it seems like yeah it happens at least once a week yeah and again there's nothing wrong with that we've got great memories from it but looking ahead we want to make our home the place where we're eating our meals and how can we make that hour and a half time i guess enjoyable and even Mm -hmm. fruitful for me and the kids and i've just realized how it's as simple as like taking them upstairs because we've got two stories in our apartment here and i can take them upstairs and play hide and seek and sometimes it's not even a full hour and a half that they really need it's it's maybe just like 45 minutes and it kind of gets the momentum back on our side yeah. and we enjoy our home again. And that's something that with, especially with it being fall right now, we're really motivated to implement those types of systems into mm-hmm. our day rather than just doing the easiest thing in that moment, which might be like going through a drive through window, you know, yeah, totally. or just buckling the kids <laughs> in their car seats. staying in their car seats. Yeah. And sometimes if Elisha and I do need to have a conversation, we make time in our week to be like, if we need to have a conversation, the kids just need to get in the car and we need to go on a drive. That's what we need to do. But we don't want this to be the MO. Something else that has helped, and I did this a couple times this week, is I actually made lunch or I made dinner during the kids' naps. Those are actually the only times we had dinner at home this week, I think, was when I had dinner made and it just needed to be warmed up. And so that could be something else where Elisha and I can both be hands-on with the kids during that time instead of me being totally involved in the kitchen or making a huge mess in the kitchen. Or if we do need to go for a drive, I know that there's food waiting for us back at home. Yes. So that could be like another version of helping us through that hot spot. Yes, I agree. Something else we did back in Bend, which I'm really proud of us for doing it because we had a very small, I mean, it's all relative, but it was a much smaller apartment than what we have now. It was a two bedroom. It was about 800 square feet, which was totally plenty of space, especially when we just had one child and even for two children. I think it was plenty of space, Mm -hmm. but it was at times easy for it to feel kind of crammed and for you to feel like you didn't have these places where you could get away and have quiet time or have rejuvenating time. But Mm -hmm. a a rule that we made, even in that small space, was to not bring our phones with us to bed. And Mm -hmm. that made our bed a place of relationship. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you can be like, oh, yeah, intimacy and sex. But even far beyond that, it was just conversational. 
Oh, yeah. We, we have good conversations in bed. We will talk for a really long time. Yeah, and I think just having that rule from the beginning that we were not going to bring our phones to bed really facilitated that deep connection through conversation on a in a very consistent way. Yes, people have always asked, how do you find time for each other in the season of little kids? And I would say going to bed everything's done for the day there's literally nothing else to do you're in bed yep and you could just talk to each other yep that's always been a, a thing for us and not having computers or phones just makes it really clear that this is time for us yes and so i'm really glad that we protected that and we're continuing to protect that space in our beds of, of in our bed of just having it be a place of a relationship we don't bring our phones we don't bring our computers you don't think about work you don't mm -hmm. think about uh consuming entertainment you just are there with each other and What's i think What's nice is that it's a habit. Yes. It's always been a habit for us. So it's not even something I think to do. Mm -hmm. I don't think to be on my phone in bed. Yes. Yeah. Right now, which is really nice. Yeah, and what's cool is I'm a quality time person and who I would text in bed before I got him in my bed was Elijah. Nice. <laughs> so now that he's there, it's like, oh, I'm good to go. Yeah. And I think that now that we have more space, it's like I want to designate even more spaces mm -hmm. for specific uses. And I think that when you protect those spaces, like we don't eat dinner in the living room. Mm -hmm. We eat dinner in the di at the dining room table because we're able to do that now because we've got a separate kind of dining room area and mm -hmm. a separate living room area. Then I think having that type of separation yes. allows for more rest and order and structure in the home in an area that we want it to be. Mm -hmm. Likewise, having a garage. It's like we exercise out in the garage. We don't exercise in the living room. Because I think that was something yes, that always kind of threw me off. So, okay, you move the furniture out of the way and then you work out, but it doesn't feel like a good workout because you're in the living room and then, it, yeah. and then it gets all messy and sweaty in there. And you're thinking, man, I don't want to be doing this here. And so even though it's a luxury to have this extra space, I want to use it in the best way possible to have this optimal home. And like Elisha said, we haven't always had this extra space. So you've got to take whatever you have and mm -hmm. work with it. And we definitely, I mean, our kids have slept in closets and been totally cool with it. So taking whatever space you have though and maximizing it is what we're talking about here. Yes. Because we can have a larger home right now and still not maximize the space yes. because we have old habits. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think about that with my morning routine, my morning, something that I just, I cherish and I value so much. It's so important to me. I feel a difference in such a big way when I don't have that alone time in the morning versus when I do. And back at our last apartment, it was not an ideal kitchen or living room setup for, for me. Like I had this dream in my head <laughs> of how my perfect morning environment is. And it was far from that. But that said, I still had a great morning routine in that small little kind of janky kitchen, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. where I'd make my coffee, sit at the kitchen counter there and have my quiet time. And it was really, it was really precious and it was really yes. important to me. Now we're in our new place and I like my morning setup even better. But I've got the habit of using that place for my morning time. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Going real quick back to the hot spots too during the day, just to give some other ideas. One thing that we do a lot now that Elisha's home when we're putting the kids to bed is he puts them in the bath. Yes. And that's a really nice thing because I just have Louie downstairs. I clean up and he has the kids in the bath. So it's like special time with daddy. They're all stoked that he's they are getting his full attention yep. and that's a time when i'm able to clean without a ton of running around and it's not real stressful so we both have 
more quiet time by spreading out the space yes that way yeah when i think of some of these words like restful or rejuvenating or creative or peaceful some of these words that we want to have describe our home in order to experience those you have to make this initial effort in various instances so Mm -hmm. for instance you know taking the kids to bathe them is a little bit more work up front it seems like than just kind of letting them run around after dinner and it's more chaotic, but you don't really have the energy, you don't think, to get them upstairs and get them in a bathtub. But just taking that little effort mm-hmm. ends up for such a more peaceful evening. And the kids smell way better. They smell way better. <laughs> That's a fact. Oh, man. You guys, I say that because before Elisha was home consistently in the evenings to help me with that time, our kids hardly ever bathed. <laughs> so you got to do what you got to do because they're they would go a long time. So it's kind of a luxury, honestly. Hmm. But it's just something, yeah, where they're engaged. And like you've said, it definitely takes more effort to take off their clothes, put them all back on, like go through the whole process of them getting sopping wet and Mm -hmm. they splash around and they make a mess. But their little love tanks are so filled up. Oh, yes. And they're engaged. So instead of, well, I think, okay, I'm thinking of that that quote, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Yes. And I think of that when it comes to the kids all the time. Wow. Because there's the pain of being engaged with them and having them be actively involved in something. Or there's the pain of being like, no, stop doing that. Stop getting into trouble. Yes. Why are you harassing your sister? Yes. I'm trying to do something right now. Yep. Instead of just embracing the moment of we live in a home with little kids how are we going to engage them? Yes, that's so good. And I really think, I mean, that kind of comes down to training our children versus just disciplining them. Yes. Because I think those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And discipline might be a part of training, but Mm training is very proactive Mm -hmm. and it's very structured. And you're the one engaging with your child, where sometimes discipline is only reactionary. Mm -hmm. It's like you kind of let them do their thing and you're sitting there passively and then they cross the line and so you react. Mm-hmm. And so often we are able to, just by taking that one step, be the one that are directing the course of our home mm-hmm. in, in a really, I think, pa- uh, proactive way. Yeah, I'm really convicted right now as we're having this conversation because I know that I have not engaged the kids and then gotten frustrated when they start to engage themselves yes. in <laughs> deviant activities. Right. So it's just... I guess a thought for me to take into this week of, okay, if I'm stressed out, why is it really, are they really being that naughty or do they need my attention? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think something that Katie and I are just really excited about right now with this concept of the home is, uh, is with the things that are most important to us as individuals, we're able to grow in these areas from our home. Mm-hmm. Our home is able to be a place where we're making progress in our faith, in our marriage, in our child training, in our health, in our business. These are things that we can do from home. And we just have to choose to make our home a place of growth in those areas. Yes. And so just going back to that concept of being our dream home, a home doesn't necessarily have to look the exact way we want. Yes. But what are our attitudes, what are the steps we're taking, who are the people we're becoming, and how are we crafting the space that we have to encourage those things? That's right, because Katie, when we 
become those people and when we're acting as those people we get to take that with us into any environment Mm -hmm. because the the odds are these four walls are not going to be our permanent home yes we'll probably live elsewhere at some point in our life but the people that we're becoming in this home are going to come with us yeah and the children that we're training are going to come with us and so that's really cool to look at it from that perspective i love it right on folks well we're going to call it call it good call it a night Yes, and I'm just going to put in another little plug because I really want to get to 300 ratings or reviews. So if you have a moment and one of these podcasts has encouraged or blessed you, if you would just click the five-star rating or you know write us a little note, tell us what you think, that would just be such an incredible blessing. And that's a total bonus for us as we're recording this podcast. So thank you guys so much. Right on, folks. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.